Welcome back to the Business Report and uh, uh, an act that has come under uh, a lot of criticism, but also a lot of comment um, is, of course, the uh, the Financial Intelligence Amendment Act, which was signed uh, into law on the 21st of July uh, this year. The president uh, signed it into law under Gazette 8139, and, and that then became what is now applicable to uh, businesses and other institutions. Joining us on the line, uh, Ibn de Klerk from the uh, Economic Policy Research Association, a consultant to that organization. Uh, Ibn, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Right. Now, we're talking about uh, this act. We've spoken um, on a number of different aspects on this act to different people, but you have a very specific concern uh, with uh, some of the wording in this act that uh, speaks specifically to non-profit organizations. Perhaps just give us a bit of background on that. With pleasure. So in July, the Amendment Act came out, as you said, and in terms of the definitions of that act and the regulations that were subsequently published in August, the every single civil society in our country will pretty much fall within the scope of this legislation. And in terms of that, the Financial Intelligence Center, which is a government agency uh, and uh, on all aspects uh, under control, under government control, will now be able to, and, and it's mandatory to provide to them um, details of who manages uh, the civil society organization, who funds the civil society organization, details of funders, and so forth. So this, this now, civil society organizations really um, form a major pillar of a free democracy and they are very concerned that this is a disguised crackdown and purge of civil society organizations and ultimately on our free democracy. Right, Evan. So let's just start with that because civil society is a term that's used a lot, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure I really understand what is meant by that. So perhaps what does civil society mean? It's a massive range of organizations within civil society from your neighborhood watch to your fundraising organizations for charity, to uh, religious organizations, uh, EPRA ourselves, a civil society organization, which we do analysis of government policies. And very often we found policies that will hamper economic growth and cause more unemployment. Uh, they also include, for instance, uh, organizations that look after the rights of LGBTQ people, vulnerable people, marginalized communities, and so forth. So th those are civil society organizations that really try to help where government is not either not helping or where we need a reform in terms of, of increased protection of vulnerable people. Of course, what, uh, what government argue, what, what they're trying to do is uh, bring accountability to where it needs to be. Um, they're cleaning up in terms of the Companies Act, uh, what Section 20, or the, what we commonly call, refer to as Section 21 companies and, and how those are operated, trusts and um, yeah, ways in which criminal activity can also be disguised. This is the government narrative that uh, under new money laundering acts and so forth, there needs to be greater transparency in order to police better. Uh, but from what you're describing, um, the neighborhood watch suddenly becomes a group of people that need to be reported on and, and need to be regulated to it. And that, and that obviously becomes not only a huge burden on an already taxed um, uh, infrastructure from a government perspective, but also uh, must raise queries about invasion of privacy 
and the right for citizens to do things they like doing without having to ask permission for everything. That's correct. So the so government's narrative is that we will be grey-listed and the grey-listing will come from the Global Financial Action Task Force, which consists of 37 uh, countries globally, and we're about to address a letter to all of them in terms of what we believe are unintended consequences, but the consequences are real. And um, one of the problems is that it would be fine if um, the Financial Intelligence Center would identify high-risk uh, civil society organizations. But in the process of being identified, you have to disclose everything. So even the Neighborhood Watch, which we will have to assume is not a high-risk uh, civil society organization, will have to disclose absolutely everything in terms of members, management, and so forth. And that now also goes for, let's use the LGBTQ uh, civil society organizations. We know that government, our parliament is extremely intolerant for the rights of homosexual people. We know that they are busy with the law to, to, to criminalize any person who just promotes the rights of those people. Now your civil society organization must, by 29 September, tell the government, by extension, the, the, the FIC and by extension government, who their funders are, who their directors are. And remember, it's not only Section 21 companies. This can be voluntary associations. It's any, any, any entity that you can think of. And you must tell them where these people live. You must give their ID numbers. Um, so the kind of watchdogs which civil society often plays the role of will now be regulated by the entity that that stands on on the receiving end of the critique of these civil society organizations and the, the good work that they are trying to do to protect vulnerable people. That is a massive conflict of interest to start off with and uh, ultimately, it breaks down on, on our democracy. It breaks down on, on the right to fair trial. Because remember, the lawyers are also included in the Financial Intelligence Act. Um, I want to give the example of one lawyer. I will not mention his name, but I have his permission to talk. Um, the whole concept of the Financial Intelligence Act is that uh, other people will be the policemen. They, you have no choice as a lawyer to be the policeman. Once you receive a client, you have a duty to do an investigation on that client and to, to, to ensure that that client is not listed or blacklisted, let's call it blacklisted somewhere, and you have to have the procedures in place to play that private detective role. Your client then, if you have any reason or if they deem you to have had reason to, to um, detect that this client is suspicious, you, without his knowledge, have to seize his assets and so forth. Now, that, that makes massive inroads in, in the right to a fair trial. And it uh, creates a, a, a next level of Big Brother, which in terms of our constitution will be will be unconstitutional for sure. But it's enforced by this international agency. And our government uh, simply says, well, we have no choice. We have to breach our constitutional, constitutional rights because uh, an international agency told us to do so. And we don't accept that. We don't. The constitution still remains our supreme law and we will stand up against it. It is it, it's got horrible consequences for our free democracy. Of course, there's some very innocent examples of things that will stop happening. For example, if you donate money to a PTA uh, and you want to do it anonymously, you'll no longer be able to do that. And people who, who like supporting societies but want to remain anonymous, of which there are many, will no longer be allowed to. And we'll simply see many of those contributions and donations dry up for 
exactly the kind of society that government isn't capable of, of supporting. So from a, a next steps perspective, this is the law as it currently stands. Um, what, what can be done in, in terms of if you don't agree with this particular uh, part of that particular law, what, what can citizens, businesses and or civil society do about it? Well, they have to unite. And I, I, I fear that they don't really understand the consequences of this and the impact. We have already spoken to legal counsel. We're taking legal advice to challenge this in court. But again, a, an extremely deplorable situation because a constitutional challenge will cost you between four and five, six million dollars. Somebody has to pay for that. So if, even if we assume that we will get that funding, we will have to immediately declare <laughs> who provided those, that funding to the FIC, who will be the respondent in this case, which just as another example shows to you the terrible conflict of interest that they have created and how they've effectively chopped down civil society's knees. But as I said, we're also going to address a letter to, to FATF and all their member countries and the embassies that they have in Namibia because we believe it's unintended consequences, but the consequences are real. They are dire and they definitely impede in a free democracy and our constitution. Right, Evan, we're out of time. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Business Report. That's Evan Declerc, consultant to the, uh, or advisor to the Economic Policy Research Association on uh, perhaps unintended consequences of uh, the Financial Intelligence uh, Amendment Act that came into law on the 21st of July. If you're a member of, of any sort of civil society, grouping, club, uh, or not-for-profit uh, organization, then uh, best you also make your voice heard in that regard. And you can always reach out to EPRA, um, the Economic Policy Research Association, and get hold of them, and they'll be able to let you know what uh, can be done about this.